This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Scott Tanfield from Friends of Foam and the Fofcast, Emilio Donnell, and Foam legend Gordon Davis. This is going to be a special episode. It's going to be a short show, maybe about 30 minutes, where we're going to talk about how fans potentially, did we overreact after a loss? Did we overreact after the loss to Blackpool? It's been a rough week for Foam supporters, so we're going to talk about that in just a bit but before we do anything else i'm just going to welcome everyone to the show first mr danella how are you doing tonight you looking forward to doing this yeah absolutely yeah i'm looking forward to this i know napoli are playing in italy so i've got a little eye on the uh the napoli score but they're winning two nil but overall yeah i'm looking forward to the shows with gordon and scott and yeah the, again i think gordon we mentioned it recently that there's a bit of an overreaction across the board you know looking at twitter i try to avoid looking at twitter on, on saturday it's just <laughs> I don't know. It's eight games in. We're second in the table, playing much more attractive football. Yeah, there's a few talking points tonight, but yep. we've got nothing to worry about yet. Let's just okay. focus on the games. I don't think we've got anything to worry about unless the wheels keep coming off. But at the moment, there's enough quality in this squad, albeit with a few injuries, for us to do well this is. So I'm not, I'm not worried at all at the moment. Okay. All right. Gordon, I look forward to getting your thoughts about this because, again, one of the things I've been focusing on, maybe I'm overreacting. I'm one of the people overreacting. I'm, I'm going to put my hand up. I, I've overreacted twice to losses, so I need to get that in check. I'm actually going down the Emilio Danello way right now, which is, you know, a little negative. So so I need to keep that. That's why it's good to have you on here, Gordon. But, uh, I, you know, again, thank you for joining us tonight. No, that that's fine. I'm uh... – I'm quite happy to, uh, to discuss uh, quite a few things uh, with regards to supporters and, uh, shall I say, uh, social media. And yes. it's just one of those situa- it's just one of those situations, and it is nice to uh, to hear uh, Emilio uh, being, shall we say, absolutely positive. I know, and there's nothing to worry, and there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> give it, give it another. 45 minutes or give it another couple of games and then we can start worrying. So it's, it's good to see that positivity coming out from Emilio already. It is. 
Gordon, and it's definitely your influence. You have influenced him, so thank you. You've actually turned around as opposed to negative. I don't think I'm negative. <laughs> I'm just more grounded and just being real, sometimes realistic as well. Okay. A, okay. Very good. There. Okay. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll use the diff- we'll use a different phrase then. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mr. Tanfield, thank you for joining us. And uh, listen, you know, we've talked about this before we started. And uh, I overreacted. Scott, I think maybe you might have overreacted just a little bit after the loss. And uh, let's just start here. Where did you come up with Silva is a fraud? Do you understand where you came up with all that? I'm not kind of seeing where I overreacted, to be honest with you, Russ. I mean, I thought I was perfectly plausible, but, um, you know, I. <laughs> I think we all, I think we all knew where that come from. I mean, I, thought, <laughs> I woke up in the morning thinking to myself, "Where did that come from?" Um, I can show you exactly where that come from. <laughs> come from this half-empty bottle of gin. If I'm honest. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think this is one I need to get over, and um, I think we'll discuss this as, as the show goes on. To be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it, you know, and again. I'll be the first to say that I overreacted well myself, not well. I mean, I I really took it badly. Second time, Blackpool, the same thing. And it's like, why am I overreacting like this? So, Gordon, I'm going to go to you. I think this might be the reason why, why maybe I did. Maybe I had this walk the league mentality. It's the championship. Why don't I, like, just think about the past with the championship? I think walking the league is unrealistic and maybe I had it in my mind. Maybe I was reading too much, listening too much praise on foam that I had it in my head that we were going to walk the league, the championship. You, you just don't walk the league, Gordon. Do you think maybe that's where this is coming from? There's certainly a possibility because everybody has expectations at the beginning of the year. We had a new manager come in, uh, in, in the first shall I say, I won't say the first few games, because even after one game, the Middlesbrough game, when we've got a new team which hasn't settled in together, we've got new players, we've got a new manager playing a different system, and even after one game, supporters on social media were absolutely slaughtering everybody for the for the result against Middlesbrough. Right. And you think, for, from my point of view, I've always said it takes probably the players five or six games to get match fit. Um, and uh, you you don't really look at the league table till possibly 10 games in. Um, and as you've mentioned already, we, we, we have gone from highs to lows. As soon as we have a great result against uh, Huddersfield, we, we then go and beat Hull. We then beat another team like Stoke, who are supposedly one of our rivals quite easily. It's easy to then think that we are going to walk away with this league with the squad that we've got. Right. But we are still we are still in transition. But as you've already mentioned, we're second in the table. We've 18 goals for. We're the highest goal scorers in the league. There's only two clubs that are better than us from a giving goals away point of view. Um, right. And so everything in in from my point of view is going in the right directions, but there are going to be a few bumps in the road. If we start playing really, really badly and losing, then I can understand people, um, even before they've had a drink, 
having a go at the club, <laughs> having a go at the players, having a go at the, the manager. But up until the situation whereby we are beaten convincingly by teams and we are playing terrible football, then I don't think we've got anything to worry about. But to walk the league, I think it's going to be difficult. Yep. But we've shown it that we can score. And I've said it looks like we could score two, three or four goals every game. And I think the biggest thing that we will go on to discuss later is when we get that first goal, it brings teams out so we can play our football and we, and we beat them easily and we score goals. It's getting that first goal. We had the chance, yeah. but when we go behind, that seems to be a, a problem at present if we're not playing to our potential. And I think we, we started chasing things against Reading, um, but we certainly didn't play as well as we could do. But we certainly missed some very good chances. And their keeper pulled off a blinding save at the end, which, yep. yes, we would have got a 2-2 draw. We would have all been disappointed with a 2-2 draw. But I don't think uh, mm. the uh, proverbial would have hit the fan as it tended to uh, after an, another loss. Okay, I'm going to come back to you in a second, a little bit, to talk about that because I really want to focus on coming from behind and, and really get to the crux of what the problem is. But over to you, Emilio. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on what uh, Gordon just uh, shared because, yes, they're going to be bumping the road. They're going to be potentially a few. But Gordon just brought up an interesting point that I didn't even think about. If we're playing that poorly, if we're getting dominated, that's one thing. That's not the situation here. This is almost – Fulham being their own worst enemy here. This is all, almost as I we've been talking about this a little bit. Fulham beating Fulham, not Reading really doing it. It's really Fulham beating themselves. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Because that's an interesting point by Gordon. These teams, you know, again Blackpool, same way. They just had had a good strategy, but they weren't really they weren't dominating us. They just took their chances and won. Same thing here. You know, and I'm not doing a disrespect to Blackpool or some of those teams, but for them, it's probably it's a bit like a cup final. They're playing a, four, a Premier League team of last season. For them, they're yeah. going to they're going to raise their game against the likes of Fulham. Then they want it's in a way it's like an FA Cup third round tie. You know, Premier League versus League One team. So that's what even though we were in the same division, that's what it feels like. And that defeat against Blackpool, I actually started saying to the guys, it was actually a good thing. It sort of sets expectations, you know, a bit more realistic. And you know, like Gordon said, you're not going to win every game. You're not going to dominate every game. I think I quote your terms, Gordon. You're, it's a bad day in the office. Let's just move right. on together about it, and you you address it in training and focus on the next game. So, and we did that. One thing we took away from the Blackpool defeat is we, you know, we recovered and responded well immediately, and we scored a lot of goals. And at the end, I was actually disappointed we didn't keep a clean sheet. That's how disappointed I was. But right. that's how you do. You'd respond from a bad performance, or you know, maybe a, a sort of post international break performance when maybe some of the players should have been rested and maybe that's for the manager. Maybe that's a slight criticism. The manager maybe should have rested some of the international players with given the squad that we got and didn't. So that's a if you want to be critical, maybe that's it that's could be a, a trickle down effect. Yeah, a lesson know. learned there from Marco Silva. So hopefully he won't make that mistake again. But you know the ready performance, you know, we had our chances. You know, Bobby should have scored early on one on one, didn't take that chance. And you know, we gifted Reading sort of two goals. They didn't really do much, but for them again it's They've got a lot to prove. They want to beat the likes of Fulham. Clubs come down from the Premier League, arguably the best squad in the division. Naturally, we're, we're one, we are the favourites to get automatically promoted. And that's where I think that's we've got to manage that pressure, both from the fans' perspective yep. and also from the players. Because the players are going on that pitch every day, knowing 
the media and the fans are expecting them to get automatically promoted. So it's good not to always win, but it's how you recover from that. And now we've right. got a few injuries in the mix. It's going to be an interesting time. Tomorrow's game against Leeds, I would have liked to have seen us go with a full-strength team and have a cup run. Maybe it's a slightly different dynamic now. Injuries. I Anna can't see that, Emilio, to be honest with you. I can't see that. I would have liked a cup run. We all like to get the Wembley. And maybe this is maybe this squad is good enough to beat some of the, the you know, the Premier League teams. But clearly, right. we've got a different focus now. It's all about promotion, automatic promotion. It and, is, and we've got to, and we've got unfortunately quite a few injuries there, which are starting to make a difference. So, um, but overall, it's we will talk about it in a moment. But you know, again, it's it's good that we're not winning every week because it just keeps the focus going. Gordon, you know, you can probably talk as a former player. You know, clearly, you want to win every game, but you have to take the highs with the lows, and it's how you right. respond to that. Right. And, here. right. And that, that's a good point. And Scott, I want to go to you because, uh, again, maybe I fell into the trap. I want to go back and talk about this. And I'm glad that Gordon mentioned it this way. When you talk about the victories, right, and Fulham are, are on a roll, and you're thinking it's just going to continue. Like, you get it in your mindset, you're expecting the win. And I've had a few people say that they went to Craven Cottage. We even talked to Joe, who ex- was going to Craven Cottage expecting the victory. When you have those expectations and you get disappointed, it, it's hard. Hmm. It really is hard. And I think that's when you get this overreaction, Scott. Maybe that's why the gym bottle is half full now. <laughs> could, be, could be one of the reasons. Uh, could be one of the reasons <laughs> I got there a little bit too early and didn't have breakfast and you know, stuff <laughs> as you do before games and don't pay any attention to it. And the next thing, you're a pest on social media. I mean, that's another reason. Um, no, no, I mean, I've watched Fulham for many years, Russ, and I mean, I, I don't expect anything from this club. Um, if anything, they probably let you down more times than you do, you know, you do expect them to, to do stuff. I think for me, it's kind of the expectations of this season, the squad that we've got, um, you know, the players that we've got at our disposal. And, and I think for me, I'm kind of looking at it, I was looking at it to sort of say to myself, you know, for, for once, why can't we just... You know, stop mucking around with the playoffs. Let's do a Wolves. Let's let's yep. get a little bit of breathing space at the top of the league. You know, and let's try and go for the top two. Because I looked at I've looked at the squad and I've looked at what we've got. Yes, we've got a couple of injuries, but we're more than capable, I think, of getting that, that top two spot. Totally agree, Scott. And it's I think for me, it's kind of like we we lost to Blackpool, and we all sat down and collectively said no, it was a mistake. We'll get over it. We reacted against Birmingham. And then we went and lost to Reading. And I think that was, for me, the trigger. I think the two losses in three appearances yeah. kind of set me off. And I sort of looked at it and thought, and I had the guy next to me saying, oh, yeah, there's only two losses. I said, yeah, but it's two losses in three. You know, once we go to Bristol City the weekend and we don't respond, <laughs> I mean, they're just fighting their mojo under Pearson at the moment. It's a tough game. Then you lose three. And then, but when does this habit of losing stop, you know? In a season where we're expected to, to kind of push for in top spots. And I think that's why I've reacted. Okay. Could be right. I mean, look, I, I understand we're going to lose games. We're not going to win every game in this division. Um, Leeds, Wolves all lost 19 games that season when they got promoted, and we'll probably do the same. We may lose a few more and draw less. I don't know yet. But yeah, I think I think for me that was a trigger. Um okay. probably slight overreaction, but it's still two losses in three games. Okay. And Scott, before we uh, go on to the second part of the show, is this an accurate description of a good amount of Fulham supporters? I'm a glass half full, so I'm different. But do you think a good amount of Fulham fans are a glass half empty supporter base? Yeah, possibly. Um, like I say, I, I've grown up watching Fulham over the years, never expecting anything. Um, 
Fulham. I haven't. And it, it's kind of, you, you know, Fulham picks you. You don't pick Fulham. It's one of those ones for me. And it's kind of like, yeah, I love this club dearly. But sometimes you just want a little bit of success. Um, yep. And it's a disappointment when we don't get it. I, I understand that. And, and, and most of us do overreact. I think this season's particularly different because we look at the quality that we've got. And right. you look at two defeats in three. Yeah. And it will trigger some fans. Yep. I totally agree with that. And that's why uh, very good from Benjamin Bird to uh, bring that up. But um, before we go on, I, I want to bring this back to Gordon. This is from our friend Roger Lewis, I believe. He has a question for Gordon. 25 shots and only five on target. Are the players' techniques at fault, Gordon? Well, what are your thoughts about that against Reading before we move on? Well, it's one of it's one of two things. Um, one, definitely technique because – uh, whether any of you three can remember the last goal, you'd probably say it's two games ago, um, the last goal that we scored from 20, 25 yards. Um, our, our shots from outside the box are woeful, but of those 25 shots, um, have they been players just taking a pop at goal from ridiculous angles where... You've got to be a Ronaldo or Messi or right. Ibrahimovic to get it in from that angle, and they're just taking a shot because, well, what else? What else can I do in this position? So I think it's one of two things. One is technique, and second is your football brain telling you, have you actually got a chance to score from here? If there's somebody in a better position, then fine. If you're there by yourself. It could be a situation that you just take a pot shot. But when I saw that stat, uh, not tonight, I, I looked at the stats uh, earlier on. When I saw that, right. uh, that we had 25 shots and I watched the game and I was wondering where are these 25 shots? Because I'm looking at things that the keeper saves and he made mm. one or two good saves in the game. But from 25 shots at target, you want him saving seven, eight, nine, ten. And I can't yeah. remember him making eight, nine, ten saves in the game. So no. technique is one, but the football brain that says you've got a chance of scoring. Because if you take one example, Tosin, he's had a couple of good shots from longer range. Right. But I think, again, he will get in 25 yards out. And I'm not saying don't have a pop, but you will get the crowd. They've now got their glass half full and they all go, shoot. And I think if you're the type of player that just needs that bit of incentive to have a go from 25 yards yeah. and perhaps you're not the best striker of the ball shooting-wise, then you're going to have a go. And if it goes five yards wide or five yards over, then the crowd is still behind you. They'll, they'll thank you for having a go. But it's well, assessing that position that you're in before you have a shot. If you're inside well, the box, then yeah, tight angles, it can help. But if you're outside the box, yeah. our shooting is, in my opinion, woeful from 20 to 25 yards. Right. So, Gordon, it sounds like the way you're describing it, it really comes down to it's not that we're not creating opportunities. It's decision-making, right? It comes down to making the right decisions. Yeah, in and around that, that area, um, if you've got five, ten yards of space and nobody's closing you down, if you, if you take the Reading goal, for instance, the first goal, right. he's taken one touch, he's come in with his with his right foot, we've got two defenders in front of him that don't close him down. They don't make an 
but all they try to make an effort to do is block the shot. Now, if you're two yards away and you've got a decent striker of a ball, that's a hell of a distance just to curl it around and pop it in the far post. If they're a metre from you, then you start pushing your head down because um, he had all the time in the world and and we didn't Mm -hmm. defend properly on that first one. But when we get in that position, and Cavaliero is a prime example who's playing at the moment, he cuts in (laughs) and and he goes for that shot to the top right-hand corner virtually every time he gets Every time, Gordon. If he was if he was hitting the post, getting them saved, I would applaud him for doing it. At the moment, there is no end product, no. either wide, trying to cross the ball because he never does. He only plays Robinson in. But as far as Cavaliero cutting in and going for goal, I would be telling him, don't bother. You will score <laughs> one, one in 20 opportunities. Right. Right, and and that, I would just say I, I'd rather him come inside and go for a one-two than try the bender. Mm, but yeah. if he plays next week, he'll prove me wrong and he'll put one in and he'll keep doing it. But if he comes out with fifteen goals, twelve goals at the end of the season, fine. But the amount that he scored last year, mm-hmm. I can see him having a return like that this year. So he's mm-hmm. not going to be on the score sheet more than five or six times. And that's a problem, Gordon. Again, it comes back to doing what's best for the team, being a teammate. And again, I understand trying to get the goal, but maybe him shooting the way he is, is just not the right decision. Anyways, to finish up the show coming up next, we're going to talk about why Fulham are struggling coming from behind in these two losses. Okay, Gordon, I'm going to go right back to you because uh, we've already talked a little bit about this, but this is something that I think is a little concerning because I've said that Fulham are front runners right now. Great from ahead, but why are Fulham simply front runners? Why are they struggling coming from behind? And you touched on it a little bit, so I want to go to you, and then I want to go to Scott and Emilio and really talk about this because, to me, this could be the difference between getting automatic promotion and playoffs is, is being able to come from behind and win matches like this? Are they panicking when they get behind? Maybe there's a little bit of that going on. What are your thoughts on when they go down a goal, they seem to struggle a little bit and they're not able to get that equalizer? Yeah, it is it is frustrating when, when you look at a team that have the ability to score, as I've mentioned earlier, two, three, four goals a game um, because we have got the players there to, to do it. Um, and when the game is stretched and uh, we have a bit of space. We, we are generally tearing teams apart. Um, and I looked at Harry Wilson, especially in the second half um, at the weekend, and he made three or four of those out to in runs, but he wasn't picked. He wasn't picked out once. Whereas Birmingham, he made the one Chalabar knocked the right. fantastic ball into him. He's through one on one. He just slides it in. Um, a la rest in peace, Jimmy Greaves. Um, and he made three or four of those runs, wasn't picked out once in the second half. And you could see his frustration because he knew that A, he was onside, B, he'd beaten the fullback. But I, I think when you've got 10 players in front of you and we have got to break them down, I honestly think we still try to beat them by passing the ball and keeping possession and trying to work that one glorious chance where 
it gets to the byline, it's cut back and it's side-footed in. To me, that's not going to happen at this level because Reading were an athletic team. They covered right. the ground well. They worked really hard defensively. And in the end, the goal that we scored was, yes, it was a quality cross, but it was put outside the far post. And all Mitrovic did was knock it back into the six-yard box. That's right. We haven't had anybody there for two years for a knockdown in the box. Uh, so That's a great point. Moonies, Moonies is in there. Stansfield could be in there. Um, even Josh Onama, when he got in the box, he did fantastically yeah. well to get his shot away and fantastic save by the keeper. But sometimes I think it's the quality in that final third, especially on crosses, when we've got a very, very good centre forward who's good in the air and Muniz is good with his head as well. I, I do think that some of the balls that we put into the box are half-hearted balls and just balls that are clipped into an area, hoping that somebody's got to get on the end of it. I think the quality from, from the wide positions is very, very poor. And as we've mentioned, Cavaliero, and I, I know that probably the other two guys are going to agree with me, I think he's <laughs> had his chance at the moment. I don't think Absolutely. he should be in the team. And to be perfectly honest with you, I mentioned this when, when Robinson um, joined the club. I said I could honestly see Robinson and Brian playing on the left-hand side mm. together. You said that. I remember that, Gordon. We can go forward. The other just fills in. So you haven't got a 50-yard run forward and a 50-yard run back. And both of them can put good balls in the box. But I don't think uh, Joe Bryan, um, A, has, has had a chance playing left-side midfield. I think he could do it. Um, and I think he's probably one that puts, outside of Wilson, he's probably one that puts a, a great cross into the box. And when you then know that you've got good service into the box, the forwards can actually attack different areas. Right. At the moment, that quality isn't there. And I think we, we struggle when we're playing, we're trying to break down t a 10-man defence. And one way is putting good balls into good areas in the box. And we don't do it enough. Uh, that's a great point. Over to you, Emilio. I want to get your thoughts on what Gordon mm -hmm. just shared. And um, not to pick on Cavalera, but we're going to do it because uh, he really has been poor and in time, at times, I think, selfish in the mm -hmm. way he's approached this because there might be someone else better suited pass-wise mm -hmm. instead of him taking the shot. And like Gordon just said, the crosses in the box have just not been good enough. What are your thoughts on what he just shared? Because when we're struggling to get that equalizer, maybe they're trying mm -hmm. to do that perfect mm -hmm. pass situation. But Could I say team one is thing, so before Could I just Go say ahead. one thing before Emilio answers? One person we have missed, and he's the 19-year-old. Yes. Yeah. And he's injured. He get he's getting into that box. He's getting yeah. into those areas. That's a great and, point. And for a 19-year-old, yeah. we've missed him in the last few games. We have. Yeah. That's a great point. Go ahead, Emilio, and then I'll go to Scott. No, that's a you know, great point. I was going to make that. So yeah, we have missed Fabio. To be honest, you know that just that you know just 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 because he rarely gets picked out again. You know he's just he's just floating into the box and just picking up those loose balls. And we have desperately missed him the last few games and. I think we've been wasteful at times. Our passing has been sometimes a little bit, just a little bit too complacent, a little bit predictable, I think, at times. And maybe there's an argument some of the teams are starting to work us out. I know it's only seven, eight games into the season, but there's an element of maybe our our team starting to suss us out. You know, and then maybe there, there's a bit, I think there's a bit of that that comes into play. 
you know, Cavalero gets a lot of stick from the fans, you know, me inclusive and Gordon and, and Scott, I'm sure. But, you know, I thought in second half, he was probably one of our better players. And, you know, single me out if you think I'm talking nonsense, but he tried to make things happen. He had a much better second half than the first half. He was dreadful. Second half, if I remember rightly, he had a good shot and goal that the keeper, I think the keeper made a save. And that could have got, he could, that could have gone into someone else's feet, if I recall. Overall, Cavalero, he's had chance after chance, but then look at Bobby Deckard over Reed on the other side. You know, he only chances did he waste on Saturday. You know, we should have been 1 0, 2 0 up before Reading even got a sniff of a chance. So both of them are, are sort of underperforming at this level, you know. But again, Bobby's more of a fan's favourite than Cavalera. So if anyone's right. going to get criticism, we've criticised Cap having a poor game, but we haven't criticised Bobby for missing a couple of good chances on Saturday. So I want to be balanced here. I think both, both may be as bad as each other. And Emilio, <clears throat> Bobby's miss, I think, set a chain reaction because yeah. if he scores there, it's yeah, a different map. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think, but I agree with what Gordon says, but we're also very predictable in our part. Again, we're, and we are trying to walk in. And maybe there's an, I've seen some people commenting that we seem to be like Arsenal under Arsene Wenger, just trying to pass it once too often and just trying to walk the ball into the net. And when when Wilson, I thought, had an off game, he did, I agree with Gordon, there were a few moments in the second half where he made some good runs, but nobody picked him out. And at times, our, our passing was a little bit more static, wasn't it? We weren't running at the same velocity as we normally want. We had a, maybe a little bit tired there, playing three games in a week. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't underestimate that as well. I know the other teams have also got to play three games in a week. Right. When you're playing at the full pace and we're playing 60, 70% possession and playing relentless football, it's not always going to click. And I think that's where when Reading play a certain way, you know, and, so, and many teams are going to play the same style against Fulham, they don't have to play at 100 miles an hour. And again, we've only got one way of working. So how what's our plan B now? So maybe this is what we should be focusing on. What is our plan B when we're ahead or when we lose? Our plan B when we're ahead is going to score more goals. But we struggle, you know, two games gone behind. We need to work out what that's plan B is. And I just think we need to be a little bit more clinical with our finishing. We were wasteful on Saturday and we're too predictable in our passing at times. It's a great point, Emilio. And Scott, I'm going to go to you because while he's saying this, while Emilio's talking about being predictable and needing a plan B, I'm thinking about Reading more so than I am thinking about Blackpool. Did Reading just give a blueprint to how to play against Fulham? especially when you get up a goal. This is a concern of mine because then you definitely need a a plan B while other clubs come to Craven Cottage and try to mirror what Reading just did. And then it's going to be up to them to break them down. But to Gordon's point, going back to the crosses in the box, maybe missing Fabio, there there are factors here. But when they get down a goal, they're going to have to really find another way and try not to be – as Emilio said, predictable, Scott, because they're trying to make that perfect pass. Sometimes you just need to make a pass to get you in a good position. What are your thoughts about all this? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not at this level going to get that perfect pass in every game. It's, it's just not going to happen. Um, I mean, I took a, a neutral with me to the game. Um, and when I ran that stat past him, I, and I couldn't believe it the other day when it was 25 attempts to their six or whatever, he said, I didn't see 25 shots on goal. And that's coming from a neutral. I know that we're going to be sort of more biased and probably say, yeah, that we did. And, you know, we, we always see the higher end of games. But, um, it, I mean, that does tell me that obviously we weren't clinical enough and we weren't getting enough on target. I mean, for me, I, I, I mean, I don't know if anyone else kind of see this, but for the first 10 minutes, we zipped that ball about. We played quick balls. And I thought to myself, here we go. We're going to get into a stride here. And I think we're going to right. kill these off and get an early goal. When that goal didn't come after 10 minutes... Reading dictated and turned the game. That's right. Great point. 
they, they got ugly. They got physical. They waste. I mean, we haven't even mentioned about their goalkeeper yet. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've done it on a, on a decent show, but they worked us out from the tenth minute personally. And when they disrupted our game, I found that we found it difficult to get back into a rhythm. They wouldn't let us play the ball. Um, and we just struggled. And, and like the guys have been talking about here, we don't seem to have a plan B. And when teams come at us like that, we are going to need to adapt and not necessarily go out and pummel them 4-1, 5-1. Right. But maybe get around these teams and beat them 2-1. But at the same time, defend games and look at strategies of how we're going to do it. Then it comes back to being clinical as a side. Um, yes, look, I'll stick my hands up. I mean, he, he frustrated the hell out of me. Um Cavalero again, he just seems very rigid in his running, doesn't he? He sort of turns in squares, he doesn't look fluid on the ball, and he can get you know, he can have run balls, he can have rip balls. But then Chanaba was doing the same from the center mm. of the park. I mean, how many times did he smash a ball sort of 30 odd yards and it ended up sort of 30 yards away from where it needed to be? I mean, collectively, as a team, I think we sort of panicked, there was no composure, and and I think there's a co- there was a collective lot. Of stuff going on there that needs to be rectified for us to push on. I think we need to be a little bit more clinical in front of goal. Silver needs to find a plan B for that side when we come up against sides like Reading because they're not going to be the only ones. Um, right, that's my point. Worse as the season goes on, and I think Silver needs to look at that squad and find out, um, you know, what players are going to be best for them type of scenarios because we've got players to rotate. Um, you know, again, we we know the history with Bobby Reid. He's great one game and he misses sit as the next one, you know? Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Look, I mean, we, we can continue talking about this, but I think for us, the most important thing is actually finding a plan B, I think, um, because a lot of teams are going to are gonna do this time and time again over the season. So, Okay. Okay. Very good. Great comments from all of you guys. Gordon, back to you, because um, Scott just brought up something that I, that I wanted to get your thoughts on. and. He's right about this. Foam started bright against Reading, but they don't get the goal, and then they get the goal. What was the change as a player, as a former player like yourself, when you get, I, I guess you go down, and you're disappointed, and you're dominating for, say, 10 minutes? What needs to happen to get your mindset to get that goal back and not panic? Was there panic after they scored that goal, Gordon? I'm curious your view on this because – Scott brings up a wonderful point. It seemed like it was going to be Fulham all day long. They score the goal, and it changes just like that. Yeah, the the, the phrase "goals change games" it, it is totally true because it gave um, after after the miss for uh, Bobby Decker over Reed, and it, it, it's a simple thing for a, a forward to say that unless you power it into the top corner, you always head those down to, to the ground. And then it's harder for the keeper to save. Um, if if Bobby knock, and he's only six, seven yards out, um, if he knocks that down towards the the, uh, the goal line, keeper has no chance of saving it. And it it just lifts everybody. But when you give give the ball away ha- halfway inside the opponent's half, and, and then they break, they score... It not only knocks your confidence a little bit, I wouldn't say uh, or, or even use the phrase panic sets in okay. because you know what you can do as a team and you know that you can score goals. So you just reset 
and you go back to what you're you normally do. Um, the unfortunate thing was that it happened, I think, within the first 10 minutes of the first half and first 10 minutes or first 20 minutes of the first half, first 10 minutes, seven minutes of the second half. Yeah. You come back out, you, you've, you've reset after half time. you've come back out, and before you know it, the same thing's happened and you've gone two down. That's when you probably don't press the panic button, but that's when you probably think, right, we, we've got to up our game here. And we've right. got to get back into this game as quickly as possible. It was um, It's frustrating when you're a supporter, and, and that's what I am now, to see that, uh, I think as, as, as Scott said, we started off the game well, but then it was broken up. Then Reading came into it and started knocking the ball about well and, and, mm-hmm. and keeping it. And uh, it, it looked as though they were sort of starting to grow in confidence. Um, but it's one of those situations that the way that we play, as Emilio said, we play around teams and in front of teams when there's tight spaces. We've not got anybody really playing at, at this moment in time, apart from Cavaliero, that will run at a player and beat that first player. If you beat that first player it then starts dragging other players out of position because somebody's got to come across and cover. And that means it may be the, the centre-half comes out, right. so the other centre-half has got to mark his man. The full-back comes in to mark the other centre-forward. So you, you, you're then starting to turn those positions around rather than four, four at the back or five at the back, five in front of them. And we haven't got anybody at present who really takes a player on and beats the player just to move other players about. So that's one thing that I think that Silva needs to look at if we're going to do something else in that final third. If we're not reliant on the fullbacks getting getting around, as Dennis Adoy did, as Robinson did, into those positions, then someone has got to take responsibility in that final third of taking somebody on and beating that first player. Because at the end of the day, as I always used to say to myself, and I had arguments with managers because I'd given the ball away, but I've given the ball away on the edge of their box by trying to do something and trying to make an opportunity to score a goal. They have now got 90 yards to go Mm. until they've got a chance at goal. So I always used to say, yeah, but I've given the ball away 90 yards away from our goal. That's for the rest of the team then to, mm. to sort of fill in for my mistake. But we haven't got anybody. We've got people who make those runs in behind, like Wilson, right. like Fabian, and sometimes Cavaliero. Um, we've got players that make that little run in and, and a ball is pushed in. But as we found out first half, those those runs, when there's not much... Uh, there's only 18 yards to go or 15 yards to go. That ball has got to be spot on. And the amount of times that we overhit the ball and the player didn't get on the end of it and it went through the keeper or it went out of play. Um, yeah. You can't keep playing like that because you've got to be spot on because everything condenses and, and you've got the run's got to be spot on. The ball's got to be spot on. And if you're a little bit off, and to be perfectly honest with you, even though we started well, I thought that we were off the pace for, mm. f- from about 10 minutes, 
minutes into the game. Right. I didn't think mm. we looked comfortable um, and as mobile um, as, as we have been in, in other games this season. So I was a bit worried when Bobby missed that one because I could honestly see us struggling uh, against Reading. But, interesting. Um, Very interesting there, Gordon. Emilio, over to you. Thoughts on what Gordon just shared? That goes back to what you were talking about as well. When the space gets condensed like that, do we have the players to mm. do what he's telling us that they need to do? And also, is there a plan B? Getting back to your discussion yeah. on that. Yeah, and as I mentioned on the show straight after the game on Saturday, I think we lacked a quality midfield. You know, we didn't have enough fight in there. You know, I thought, you know, I, I was critical of the manager not changing it at half time. And I said it to you on Saturday be brave. You're 1 0 down, change it. Clearly, you're you're being outfought in the central midfield. Shalabar looked laboured a little bit, to be honest. He started off sort of reasonably brightly, but a lot of wayward passing at times. And he, again, there was no creativity, no quality coming through there. Wilson looked a little bit lost. Looked, looked just you know, especially in that first half, it was, it was nowhere to be seen. How many times did it, I'd like to know how many times Wilson touched the ball in the first half? So, you know, you've got quality players there, but I just think the midfield we should have changed at half time. I said put Mooney's up there, give him forty five minutes, and take off Shalabar and put on Onoma. That's what we know pulling out. But then. He reacted, going a second goal down. Then you make your changes. Be brave, Marcus. So I was hoping him to see a little bit of bravery there. When you're a goal down, you can turn this game around. Get an early sec- early goal in the second half. You'll go on and win the game. But unfortunately, we've got a sucker punch. Our own doing. And again, that's Tim Ream, uncharacteristically, gave the ball. If you look back 30 seconds earlier, Tim Ream, a wasteful ball, <coughs> gave away possession. 30 seconds later, 2-0. So it's fine moments, fine margins here. We pushed up a poor ball from Ream. We got caught out. And we were turning it down, you know, fighting a losing battle, essentially. But I would have liked to have seen some changes there. Something clearly wasn't working in the first half. The balance in midfield wasn't right. We were very lightweight, wayward with our passing and very wasteful. Change it. Either take Bobby or Cav off and bring on Onoma and Mooney. Be brave. Okay. So that was my that was my criticism of the man. Again, we, you know, one has a right to reason, you know, put our reasons and criticism towards players and manager. But again, the manager, I thought maybe it was a little bit overreacting. I saw a few comments on social media suggesting maybe the manager maybe could have been more braver and change it earlier. Because clearly, I think most people saw the first half, after that 10-minute spell at the beginning, we were second best. Okay. Scott, I want to go to you because uh, this is something we talked about on the last show. I was very critical of Scott Parker being reactive and not making changes quick enough. Emilio mentioned this in the show. He would have made a couple of changes at halftime. So what are your thoughts about this? Do we need to see more of Silva being more proactive instead of reactive? Because I think the moves on Saturday might have been more reactive. Your thoughts, and then I'll go to Gordon. Um, you know, all, all managers are going to have their faults. Um, I think I read something or we discussed something once, uh, I think from, from a Watford fan or you know, someone at previous or an Everton fan. Yep. And they told me to sit that under Silver, you, you are going to concede a few goals. Um, is his style. You will score goals, but you will also concede goals. You'll win games 3-2, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, but I think once we kind of, you know, teams get on top of us and we do lose games, we are going to lose games under Silver. Like I said to you, it's probably going to be one of those situations where we win more games and probably lose more than, say, a top two side, but we're not going to draw as many. Whereas someone like Parker, he you know he, he kind of plays keep safe and right, you know, he, and and he's a bit boring in, in in his kind of approach to games. But he's got Bournemouth sitting at the top of the table, so at the moment we can't really complain about him. But I think um, 
I think with Silver, he's number one. He's and what we haven't discussed is that he hasn't managed in this division before. Um, he doesn't know what it's like. He, he's clearly a talented guy, but um, this division is a bit relentless, isn't it? It comes at you Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And I think that he needs to adapt to a style or a thinking that kind of copes with, with, with that way of playing. We're not going to get away playing like prime Barcelona every single week. And, you know, we, we are going to have to adapt and, and make changes when we need to, 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 to try and sort of dictate games. And I think that's one of the reasons. Really? Oh. Okay, very good. Over to you, Gordon. I want to get your thoughts on what we're talking about right now with the manager. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I still uh, like him as a manager. I, I like his uh, approach to the game. Uh, one one point that I would say um, to Emilio is that because as supporters, we don't know what's going on in the changing room at half time, And for instance, it could have been a situation where say Decker over Reed is feeling something or one of the players is feeling something. They're not too sure whether they're going to last the game, but in in my experience, managers have, have turned around and said, well, okay, go out second half, give it 10 minutes and mm. see if you see how you're feeling then. Uh, and sometimes that keeps a player on when play, when supporters would have taken him off Right. And also something can happen within that first 10 minutes, mm-hmm. as did Saturday, when uh, you go 2-0 down. So um, I, I can understand the manager's point of view from p- perhaps not doing something at half-time, um, only only because we are one down. Um, and as, as I said earlier, I still think we are capable of scoring two, three or four goals every game this season when we are on song okay we weren't on song in the first half we could have been one nil up it's a different game but um i i still think um and i said on this program that in my opinion i think we will win the league um and i, I still, still believe that Gordon. i haven't changed my mind on that either yeah uh, and because it is such a long season um, and we go back to the squad that we have. If you look at the Blackpool game, if I was in charge, I wouldn't have played Riemann at Robinson because they've travelled halfway around the world right. and got back the day before the game. I would have put Mawson and Brian in, and if Mawson and Brian play well, then I can turn around to the two American lads and say they played so well um, that they are fit, they're not jet-lagged, they're going to play on Tuesday. And it gives Mawson and Brian confidence in the manager. And then it puts Ream and Robinson uh, on, the, on the back burner as if to say, well, OK, we now know that we're not guaranteed a place. So when we go in, we have got to p- produce 110% performances when we're in there. And also it puts in the mind of other players that, well, if I'm out for one week, then I might not get back in the next week. Right. And that's when you start getting a bit of um, uh, competition within uh, uh, the, the squad that we've got, because we always keep talking about the squad that we've got, but it's so easy to ostracize some people if they think they're going to get a chance or they sh- should have got a chance and they're not. And then it's another five, six weeks until they, they get the next opportunity. So I certainly think that possibly he's got to use the, the squad better 
in, in the league games. But then again, we've got this Leeds game. It'll probably be, apart from one or two, the same team that played against Birmingham. That's um, what I'm it, expecting. Barring, barring injuries. So right. to me, Leeds, I think, will put out a strong team. It all depends how the players react to that that are playing. And then if they've done well, then some of them are going to be in uh, the mix for the, the, the following weekend because we've got to utilise the squad and not rely on 13, 14, 15 players. Uh, as I found out in the 80s, it's a long season <laughs> and you can you can have burnout, to be perfectly honest with you, and you think you're playing at 100%, but right. you might only be giving 80, 90%. Okay. Can, I ask, uh, Maybe. can I ask Gordon a quick question there about, because you mentioned on Blackpool. Um, Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. Why do you think, Gordon, that he chose to play um, Raymond Robinson? Uh, I mean, I mean, we could all see it, and, and we knew that they were tired. They were back, what, that evening before, whatever it was, and we all said that they're going to be knackered. Now, from a non-coaching point of view, I know we're fans and we're not paid to, to, to make decisions like a coach yeah. does, but it just seemed to be the most plausible kind of thing to do. And we all said it, um, and it all happened. Does that come back down to him not having the experience and actually sort of managing in that division and knowing how relentless it is, or do you just think it's it's, it's just an error on his half? Um, I, I think it's a I think it's a basic error because I I think that obviously those two players are. It looks like if Tete was fit, then we'd all pick the same back four week in week out. And I think because they, they've played well and we've got results, I just think he back, went back to what he thought was a winning formula. Um, they are two international players. You expect them to uh, give uh, everything on that, on that Saturday against Blackpool. But if you've got two players that are, that are struggling, um, that not also puts a, a pressure on the left side um, of of your defence, but it puts a, a pressure on the the midfield players in front because he could be calling Reem could be calling the midfield players back because he feels tired, so they're not pushing forward. And Robinson, if he gets up, he might not be able to get back. So there's there's a lot that can be uh, added on to two players playing and and feeling tired. And basically, that is all it is. They were feeling tired. They could have been heavy legged. And you get caught out so easily. Um, and, and when that, that, the guy made that run, and it was a similar run uh, by the Blackpool lad as opposed yeah. to the Reading player on Saturday, and Seri struggled to get back, to yeah. get a tackle in. And it was like he was treading water. But that happened at Blackpool. And then he was frightened to challenge because he'd only got there when the person got into the box. So there could be one or two things that players are, uh, and you and you never want to turn around to the manager and say, "Look, boss, can you leave me out this week? I'm knackered," because the manager will turn around and say, "Right, you're out." Then I don't want that type of attitude. Right. So there could be players mm -hmm. playing mm -hmm. that are not totally match fit and are tired, and it's costing us. And now that is for the That's coaching staff and the manager to pick up on that because they all wear these sports bras now. With the the, 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 the digi, digital yeah thing in the back, so you can just look at that and say, well, he's only he's only performing at eighty percent. Well, yeah. sometimes you've got to be able to see that 
rather than wait till after the game and look at the stats and then make a decision for the next game. Sometimes, yes, you've got to make that decision. But Seri has looked off the pace defensively when he's supposed to be one of our defensive midfield players. And I think <laughs> if he's struggling and Harrison Reed is fit, then Harrison Reed, in my opinion, comes in and is a fixture in that midfield. And then you fit the, the, the rest of the players around Harrison Reed. But of course, he's picked up a bit of an injury as well. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's an error on Silva's point of view, uh, Reem and Robinson at Blackpool, because you you can't go halfway around the world and then expect to put in a 100% performance. Okay, Emilio, you have a question for Gordon as well? Yeah, I was going to say, I think we've obviously, we've, we've obviously focused around two games we've, we've not been able to come from behind to get a draw or win. Maybe it's another another optics here, rather than actually, what why aren't we good enough to turn a game around from behind? When things aren't clicking, we struggle. So look, Blackpool, you know, what first half we were poor. The game was nil-nil at the time, and so we weren't coming from behind in the first half. Forty-five yeah. minutes, we had a very poor performance. Middlesbrough, with all that possession, we were wasteful in front of goal and got sucker punched again. Things didn't click that game, and we got punished. Reading, you know, there were moments there we didn't take our chance. So sometimes it feels, I think it's more around when things just don't click. We're either not getting the run of the ball or we're not being creative enough and changing and having that plan B as mentioned, rather than why aren't we doing enough when we're coming from a goal down? So I think it's we're focusing too much, two games, two losses from behind. But actually, if you look at the games where we've not won, there'd be moments in that game where we've been nil-nil for, for 49 minutes against Blackpool. We were poor for all up until that moment. Middlesbrough for most of the game, you know, okay, it was the first game of the season. You know, we could have done, should have done better. And, and Reading against on Saturday. When things don't click, certain players are not really involved. Not like Wilson on Saturday, when he's not in the mid, in the thick of it. Cavalier was missing. Harrison Reed's bite and you know strength and hunger in the midfield was missing. Yeah. Things don't click. It's not. I don't think it's because yeah. we're, we're behind and we're not. We're, we've got a problem fighting back from behind. Yeah. I think it's more about if it's not clicking, we haven't got another way of playing, and that's the problem for me. If you analyse it, each I, game I, we have I, I, I one. Yeah, I can totally understand that. And if you if you look at the way that we play, mm. very rarely do or, or or this manager hasn't, and Scott Parker hardly did. If it's not going well, and Wilson's not in the game on the right, and Cavaliero's not in the game on mm. the left, then lo and behold, in my day, then somebody would say, "Well, the two wingers change." Mm. And you get Wilson going down the wing and crossing with his left. You get Cavaliero trying to get down the wing and crossing with his right. And it just changes to change, to keep playing in the same manner mm. and to keep all out 10 outfield players in the same the positions. Same if it's not, if it's not working, mm. then a simple thing is change one or two around, put Wilson in behind Mitrovic and put one of the midfield players not out on the wing, but slightly Move the wider. pieces around, yeah, 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 and and, th and then you 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 push a right fullback in uh, to the right side midfield. So th there's things that can be done, and it's not rocket science. The four of us have been involved or watched football for a long period of time, um, and sometimes pundits, especially managers and coaches, uh, and phrases that they use. Uh, make it seem as though it's way above us because we're only supporters. Um, so therefore, 
we can't really have a say because they know more than us. Yeah. They know as much as us. We know as much as them. And if it's not working, if it if it is working, you don't change it. Yeah. If it isn't working, then there's one change or two it. things, easy then, things yeah. that you can do. Yes, you could bring subs on, all three subs on, all, all three change uh, at half time, um, as sometimes people did many moons ago. But uh, even just changing the personnel into a different position to, to give the opposition something to think about. Now, Reading, they may have still had 10 men behind the ball. But if you've got Wilson in the middle and 20 mm. yards out, the likelihood is if you give him two or three yards, he will hit the target, uh, whereas the other central midfield players won't. And if one screamer goes in from 20 yards, as I said, to start with, goals change games. Right. And we need the players who've got the quality. And that's one phrase that, that Scott used. Quality in that final third is, is a prerequisite at any level. And we have got to be more clinical because if we did have 25 shots on target, uh, uh, 25 shots at target, and only five were on target, yeah. then we need to work on that from a technical ability um, and nothing else to do with this. It's just sort of trying to hit the target. It goes back to what we were saying earlier about the prediction. Do we miss Fabio? You know, do we miss Fabio? Yeah. 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 Okay. Excellent stuff. Great show. Really enjoyed it. Well, Gordon, Scott, and Emilio, I've really – this has been great. It's been good to do. Like I said, we plan on doing a half hour. We did an hour. But we are going to wrap this up. For Gordon Davis, Fulham legend, Scott Tanfield from Friends of Fulham, and the Fofcast, Emilio Donnell, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.